You have gone too far. The whole community are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourself above God's congregation? That's what Karach said. Now, what exactly was wrong in what he and his motley band of fellow agitators said? We know that Karach was a demagogue, not a democrat. He wanted power for himself, not for the people. We also know that the protesters were disingenuous. Each of them had their own reasons to feel resentful toward Moses or Aaron or fate. Set these considerations aside for a moment and ask, was what they said true or false? They were surely right to say all the community are holy. That is, after all, what God asked the people to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, meaning a kingdom all of whose members are, in some sense, priests, and a nation all of whose citizens are holy. They were equally right to say God is with them. That was the point of making the tabernacle. God said, have them make me a sanctuary, and I will dwell among them. Exodus ends with the words, So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. The divine presence was visibly with the people wherever they went. What was wrong was their last remark. Why then do you set yourselves above God's congregation? Now, this was not a small mistake. It was fundamental. Moses represents the birth of a new kind of leadership. That is what Korach and his followers did not understand. In fact, many of us don't understand it still. The most famous buildings in the ancient world were the Mesopotamian ziggurats and Egyptian pyramids. And they were more than just buildings. They were statements in stone of a hierarchical social order, wide at the base, narrow at the top. At the top was the king or pharaoh, at the point, so it was believed, where heaven and earth met. Beneath was a series of elites, and beneath them the laboring masses. This was believed to be not just one way of organizing a society, but the only way. The very universe, people thought, was organized on this principle, as was the rest of life. The sun ruled the heavens, the lion ruled the animal kingdom, the king ruled the nation. That's how it was in nature, that's how it must be. Some are born to rule and others to be ruled. Judaism is a protest against this kind of hierarchy. Every human being, not just the king, is in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, no one is entitled to rule over any other without their assent. There's still a need for leadership because without a conductor, an orchestra would lapse into discord. Without a captain, a team might have brilliant players and yet not be a team. Without generals, an army would be a mob. Without government, a nation would lapse into anarchy. As it says at the end of the book of Judges, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In a social order in which everyone has equal dignity in the eyes of heaven, a leader doesn't stand above the people. He serves the people and he serves God. The great symbol of biblical Israel, the menorah, is an inverted pyramid or ziggurat, broad at the top, narrow at the base. The greatest leader is therefore the most humble. As the Torah says about Moses, he was a very humble man, more so than anyone else on the face of the earth. The name for this is servant leadership, and its origin is in the Torah. The highest accolade given to Moses is that he was the servant of the Lord. 
Moses is given this title, Eved Hashem, 18 times in Tanakh as a whole. Only one other leader merits the same description, Joshua, who is described this way twice. No less fascinating is the fact that only one person in the Torah is commanded to be humble, namely the king. This is what the Torah says in Parshat Shoftim. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It's to be with him, and he's to read it all of the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites. This is how the Rambam, Moses Maimonides, describes the proper conduct of a king. Just as the Torah has granted him great honor and obligated everyone to revere him, so too it has commanded him to be lowly and empty at heart, as it says, my heart is a void within me. Nor should he treat Israel with overbearing haughtiness, as it says, he should not consider himself better than his fellows. He should be gracious and merciful to the small and the great, involving himself in their good and their welfare. He should protect the honor of even the humblest of people. When he speaks to the people as a community, he should speak gently, as in, listen, my brothers and my people. That was King David's words in the first book of Chronicles. Similarly, the book of Kings says, if today you will be a servant to this people, that's how God challenges David to lead. He should always, says the Rambam, conduct himself with great humility. There was none greater than Moses, our teacher. Yet he said, What are we? Your complaints are not against us. He should bear the nation's difficulties, burdens, complaint, and anger as a nurse carrying an infant. That is Maimonides' statement. And the same applies to all positions of leadership. Maimonides lists among those who have no share in the world to come someone who imposes a rule of fear on the community, not for the sake of heaven. Such a person rules over a community by force so that the people are greatly afraid and terrified of him doing so for his own glory and personal interests. Maimonides adds to this last phrase, like heathen kings. The polemical intent of Maimonides' words is clear. It's not that no one behaves this way, it's just that this is not a Jewish way to behave. When Rabbi Gamliel acted in what his colleagues saw as a high-handed manner, he was deposed as Nasi, head of the community, until he acknowledged his fault and apologized. Rabbi Gamliel learned the lesson. He later said to two people who declined his offer to accept positions of leadership. Do you think I'm giving you a position of honor, sarara? I'm giving you a chance to serve, avdut. Uh, and that, of course, is what Martin Luther King once said, everyone can be great because anybody can serve. C.S. Lewis rightly defined humility not as thinking less of yourself, but as thinking of yourself less. The great leaders respect honor others. They honor them, lift them, inspire them to reach heights they might never have done otherwise. They're motivated by ideals, not personal ambition. They don't succumb to the arrogance of power. Sometimes the worst mistakes we make are when we project our feelings onto others. Karach was an ambitious man, so he saw Moses and Aaron as two people driven by ambition, setting themselves above God's congregation. He didn't understand that in Judaism, to lead is to serve. Those who serve don't lift themselves high. 
they lift other people high.